Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, yes, the 2021 NFL season is here. Falcons kick it off on Sunday at home, hosting the Philadelphia Eagles. To talk about this game, to preview our upcoming opponent, I have asked a friend of mine, Kyle Bennett. He is the host of Underground Sports Philadelphia. Kyle, thanks for joining me. Absolutely. It's an absolute pleasure to uh, come on this side of the table and uh, join you on your show. We've been uh, we've been podcasting, you know, almost every football season now. So it's a ton of fun. Yeah. It's an honor to uh, be on the Falcoholic with you. Yeah, it's uh, honestly, I should have done this a while back, but <laughs> <laughs> we're finally we're finally getting you on the show. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're uh, we've we've done a few conversations about the Eagles and the Falcons. We've you know, as we've talked about in the past, we've had some really interesting games between these two franchises. Um, but let's just jump into it. And I want to start on the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles because I think this is where things are really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I do a series at the Balcolic where we sort of evaluate um, our opponent coming in. We look at PFF grades. We look at you know how guys have have looked over time. And I want to start in the trenches because I feel like. Even though you guys lost um, one of the best left tackles to ever played, Jason Peters, um, all-time uh, great at the position, uh, you kind of fell into a pretty decent starting left tackle al- already. And on top of that, you guys have uh, all the pieces to field yet another uh, really, really good offensive line. So tell me about the guys up front, these five guys, you know, the, at the center, you, you've got Kelsey and Johnson and uh, give me an idea of what the Eagles offensive line should look like in 2021. Yeah. So you bring up Jason Peters and I will forever be indebted to Jason Peters for helping this team win a Super Bowl, being part of that run. Uh, but it was time. It was yeah, uh, probably like two years in the making for Jason Peters to, to move on from the Eagles uh, I'm glad I don't have to worry about his false starts anymore. Um, <laughs> but Jordan Mailata, like you said, we we fell into like a diamond in the rough. He was kind of a crapshoot draft pick late in the draft. Mm-hmm. They tried to, uh, you know, use him as a defensive lineman, then converted him to an offensive lineman. And he has just taken the left tackle position with with everything he's got. He's he's given it his all and, you know, a former rugby player. And wow. I'm I'm super excited about the future of Jordan Mailata. He's heading into year four of his career, um, getting a shot to be the starting left tackle, beat out Andre Dillard uh, in training camp, rightfully so, because Jordan Mailata is a, is a much tougher player than Andre Dillard is. Um, and it's wild to see, you know, a, a late round pick beat out a first round pick as well uh, <laughs> at such a pivotal position with a rookie quarterback. Um, but I think Jordan Mailata's future at the left tackle position, hopefully for this team for many years to come is super bright. I think he's, he's really grasped what the position is all about and he uses that rugby toughness and, you know, the strength and physicality to, to be a high quality left tackle. And I'm excited to see a full season of him. So long as he stays healthy, Isaac Sayamalu at the left guard position, he's been kind of like that, that silent assassin at left guard. You know, he's been here for a few years now, I am. Uh, I have a personal connection to Isaac Samal because we share the same exact birthday. So I will forever be. Uh, <laughs> my, he'll be one of my guys forever. Um, but I think he's going to take another step forward this year. Hopefully, he stays healthy. And you know, to be between a guy as big as Jordan Mailata and as experienced as Jason Kelsey, Isaac Samal doesn't have to do too much at the left guard position. He doesn't have to overcompensate uh, right. for any deficiencies he has. He's naturally a center, but we've seen him. Uh, take snaps at the NFL level hasn't been great. So hopefully 
Uh, he takes another step forward at left guard. Jason Kelsey is what, what more can I say about just an absolute Philadelphia legend? Um, <laughs> you know, this summer he was down in Sea Isle City in New Jersey, you know, slinging beers for people at, at a local bar. He, ah, he's just, he understands it. the assignment, as the TikTokers would say. Um, <laughs> he's just a, he's, you know, I, I hate using the cliche Philly guy, but he's a guy who has just embraced what Philadelphia is all about. He, he, goes to work every day ready to play you know he plays injured with like the most ridiculous injuries ever he just doesn't want to be off the field um so i'm very excited for just jason kelsey to still be here you know there's been the past couple years of him contemplating retirement and when that day comes it's going to be a a sad day in philadelphia when jason kelsey Mm -hmm. retires but in the draft they were able to go and get some good depth if Jason Kelsey ends up getting hurt this season, you know, if there is any of that that nicks and, you know, tears on anything. They got Landon Dickerson in the second round, which I think if he can stay healthy, keeps that knee healthy, that's a huge steal yeah. uh for the future of this Eagles offensive line and I'm glad that they were able to snag him there. And then the right side of the offensive line, it's two guys coming back from big time injuries. Brandon Brooks uh off another, you know, Big time injury for a big time guy. Hopefully he stays healthy at right guard um, and he's back out on the field and, and performing at a high level. And then Lane Johnson, when I heard the news last season that his that his quote was his ankle shattered, uh, my heart sunk into my stomach. I was no like kidding. to to play with your ankle, quote unquote, shattered. I, I was just like, this can't be happening. But Lane seems to be. In good spirits, he's been, you know, working all working out all off season, building that strength back up, and uh, he's ready to be back out there. He's he's a generational talent, and probably one of the few things that Chip Kelly got right in his uh, Eagles tenure. <laughs> oh man, the Chip Kelly reference! Holy cow, he was Chip's first draft pick. Yeah, uh, first round. Uh, I think pick number four, if I remember right. Yep, um, and it, one of the best right tackles uh, to have played over the past decade. And honestly, Kelsey, the, the thing I love about Kelsey is uh, if you talk about some of the best center play over the past you know, six, seven years, it was Falcons and Eagles. It was uh, it was between Jason Kelsey uh, and Alex Mack uh, when he was here in Atlanta. And those two guys were constantly sort of at the top of the heap and everyone else. You know, there were a few guys that uh, were in the conversation as well, but those were two guys that constantly represented at the uh, top of the very, very best in the uh, the middle of the offensive line. So this is a this is going to be a tough offensive line potentially for uh, Atlanta. Obviously, uh, we've got you know one name I think that stands out above the rest. It's Grady Jarrett, uh, who has been known to terrorize interior defenders in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and then past him, you know, there's some hope that Dante Fowler can bounce back after playing through essentially a high ankle sprain for all of 2020. Uh, which is really an indictment of the past coaching regime here in Atlanta. Um, but after that, like the, the, the Falcons, the, the only other name that I think Philadelphia fans will be uh, familiar with, which you and I talked about uh, on your podcast is Stephen Means, uh, who looks uh, set to be the starter at uh, outside linebacker on the other side of Fowler Jr. Um, Grady Jarrett uh, and these other guys, you concerned about them potentially causing disruption uh, and giving uh, the rookie quarterback uh, Jalen Hurts a little bit of a hard time in the pocket? I, I think there is a little bit of concern just because, you know, with guys being injured last year, it's been a while since Lane Johnson and Brandon Graham have played football. Um, you know, this is the first time Jordan Mylott is getting a chance to to full-blown start, and he has that confidence with a new coaching staff. Um, you know, Isaac Sayamalu was banged up last year. Jason Kelsey was banged up last year. So it's been a while since this whole unit has played together. And I don't even think it happened at all last year because Jason Peters was still here. So, like, this is the first time, you know, my lot is outside playing left tackle. This is the first time in a long time that the rest of the O-line has been playing together because they barely played in the preseason because if Jalen Hurts wasn't playing, they weren't playing, which Mm -hmm. I'm totally okay with. Um, So, I mean, I think there is a little just, you know, knocking the rust off a little bit there. And then just with a new coaching staff, I mean, I know Jeff Stoutland's still here. He's one of the best offensive line coaches uh of all time so i mean you have that in your back pocket to not really worry too much about you know scheming and everything but a new a new coaching staff new play calls um i think there's definitely a bit of concern going into this just because of of so much turnover for this team from last year yeah so it's not 
completely unfounded that Jarrett could be disruptive in the middle of that line. Uh, and certainly I would think uh, Dean Pease, who is a very respected defensive coordinator uh, for his 438 years in the league, um, <laughs> uh, is, is going to try to bring pressure up the middle because that's where uh, you're, you stand the best chance of, I think, disrupting young quarterbacks is getting them to move. Um, all right. So the offensive line, uh, again, I, I feel like this is a quality offensive line. If all the pieces come together, if the injuries uh, prove to not be a, a factor early on, but really, you know, I wanted to start with offensive line because ultimately it's about the guy that they're protecting. And that for the Eagles now is Jalen hurts. The, you know, Philadelphia moved on from uh, longtime quarterback, Carson Wentz, who, uh, I think is it's generous to say had a difficult 2020. Um, he has had a on. difficult Eagles tenure. <laughs> honestly, he yeah. was he was here for a good time, not a long time. Right. <laughs> well put. Very well put. Uh, and I, there was a lot of potential with Wentz, and I think from what we saw from Hertz, he was put in a very difficult situation at the end of last year. Obviously, uh, with with everything going on with Wentz and then the coaching staff uh, and he delivered at times. And I think there's some reason to be optimistic. Uh, what do you think about Hertz as the uh, heir apparent as the next QB one in Philadelphia? I, well, let's take it all the way back to when the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round of the NFL draft, when you still had Carson Wentz coming off of, you know, and uh, the, the disgustingly dirty hit from Jadavion Clowney in the playoffs. Um, you know, it was like, okay, he'll bounce back from this. We'll get it going again, and we'll, we'll have Carson Wentz back healthy. Then you draft a quarterback in the second round, and everybody in Philadelphia, and quite frankly, in the NFL Twitter space, lost their minds during that virtual draft as Roger Goodell sat in his chair <laughs> with his sweater on. And I was just like, what are we doing drafting a quarterback in the second round who has been one of the best college quarterbacks we've seen in a long time in two very high-octane, successful college programs with Alabama and Oklahoma. Yep, I, I viewed Jalen Hurts as a guy to go to a team that was still kind of looking for an answer at quarterback and not the Eagles. I was not expecting him uh, to be a Philadelphia Eagle. And then, uh, you know, as time went on, it was one of those things where it just grew on me. And it was it was a situation where I kind of got brought back to when the Eagles had Donovan McNabb and, and Michael Vick on this team <laughs> and they were using both guys. And it, it's kind of similar to what it sounds like your former guy, Kyle Shanahan is trying to do in San Francisco and have right. two kind of, you know, playbooks for two quarterbacks, depending on situations in the game. And I thought that was kind of the direction that the Eagles were going to go with. They were going to have, you know, Carson Wentz's set playbooks and they were going to have uh, Jalen Hurts set playbooks and, and kind of utilize their skill sets differently Two different kind of quarterbacks. And quite frankly, you know, Carson Wentz, I think mentally just wasn't able to, to manage that. And that's what we saw from uh, the year in 2020 from him and Jalen Hurts steps in, you know, and, and going into the season with Hurts at quarterback, there's four games of game tape on him outside of his college stuff. There's four NFL game tapes. So there's not much that teams can kind of dissect and, and dive into from Jalen Hurts at the NFL level. He didn't play in the preseason much. He had like 10 snaps this preseason. So there's there's still so much unknown about him. And I think that's intriguing if you're an Eagles fan um, to just know that you can kind of go into the season and your opponents aren't going to know much about your starting quarterback. There's not enough film on him to really key in on what he does well, what he doesn't do well yet. Great point. And to have a veteran offensive line like they do in front of him, I think, is a huge benefit. They put a ton of speed around him at the skill positions from Miles Sanders still being here. You know, you draft Devontae Smith, who he had rapport with at Alabama, Heisman Trophy winner as well. It's been a long time since the Eagles have had a Heisman Trophy winner on this team. <laughs> you, you hope that, you know, Jalen Rager can show why you drafted him in the second or in the first round last year. And then you have guys like Quez Watkins. You have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who you're hoping takes a massive step forward and doesn't turn into that second-round bust. But I think they, they've put so many different skill position players that do so many things to elevate Jalen Hurts' game that it's almost like how Cleveland has built around Baker Mayfield. You don't have Baker Mayfield going out and being this dazzling, you know, 
high profile quarterback. He just does enough to get the job done because he has enough weapons around him and enough protection in front of him. That's how I view Jalen Hurts. He doesn't have to do all the flashy things. He can go out there, be precise with his passes. He can use his legs to extend plays and he doesn't have to do too much. He doesn't have to overthink things because quite frankly, Howie Roseman somehow, some way had a great off season. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I sense skepticism there. <laughs> uh, mercy. Uh, I, if, if you wouldn't have told me otherwise, I'd feel like is this a Falcon fan. Um, <laughs> but uh, what's funny is when I think about, you know, preparing a team for a young quarterback, I go back to 2008 with Matt Ryan and they brought in Michael Turner. They had a Roddy white, a wide receiver one. Um, They had some, you know, a a really decent, good offensive line in front of him. And that really is the way that you sort of slowly integrate a quarterback into the NFL. It's uh, you know, these days it seems like the, the, the ideal is try to throw these guys into the deep end of the pool but I, I go back to what they did with uh, Ryan in 2008, and uh, it's I, I see you know as you mentioned some similar uh, circumstances here in Philadelphia where they're surrounding Hurts with a, a good offensive line with some good weapons to where as you pointed out he does not have to do it all. Um, I want to talk about those weapons. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, looking at the Falcons this year, everyone's talking about the tight end position. Uh, Hayden Hurst, I think, is uh, potentially going to have a breakout year. He's in the contract year. He's probably the odd man out as far as what defensive coordinators are looking for uh, because of Kyle Pitts, Calvin Ridley, et cetera. Uh, and then, of course, you've got you know the, the rookie who I think many people already put him in the Hall of Fame already, which is a bit absurd, uh, but you've got Kyle Pitts. And I look at Philadelphia, and they've got two really solid – tight ends that have played well for several years in Zach Ertz and, uh, and Goddard. And uh, these are guys that when you look at what a quarterback needs to be successful, it's those guys that, you know, can uh, succeed at the tight end position. So tell me about Ertz and, and Goddard and, and why you think they could be a factor in helping Jalen Hurts to integrate into the NFL a little bit quicker than maybe some other quarterbacks that don't have weapons like that. It is a miracle that Zach Ertz is still on this team because (laughs) the way that it was projected through the national media, through just fans, right? It was Zach Ertz was in Buffalo. He was he was a Buffalo Bill. He was an Arizona Cardinal. Like it was it was crazy talk. And, you know, obviously there were the the contract negotiations last year that kind of went south and it, it rubbed Ertz the wrong way. He saw Kittle get paid. He saw Travis Kelsey get paid. Um, and he thought, you know, I'm in that same echelon as those guys. And up until last year, you could make the argument. Zach Ertz was like the number three tight end in the NFL behind those two guys. Um, I think him coming into this season a little humbled, uh, ready to play. He, he came in, you know, he he's put everything behind him. He talked about how he wants to remain a Philadelphia Eagle throughout, you know, the remainder of his career, wants to retire here which makes my heart sing. I love Zach Ertz. I love his entire family. They've done nothing but good here in Philadelphia, and he's just a, a great you know, ambassador for the city. Um, so you know, for him to be back, to have that veteran presence, a guy who was on that Super Bowl team, caught the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, I, I think it brings a lot of rapport and it brings a lot of leadership to this offense that is very young at the skill position player you know, spots, you know, Miles Sanders still relatively young, even though he's been on this team for a couple of years now, your, your longest tenured wide receiver, if I'm not mistaken, is JJ Ortega Whiteside, uh, which is absolutely insane <laughs> uh, to think about. And, you know, you have Greg Ward on this team, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, Devonte Smith, like it's all young guy. And even Dallas Goddard is young. You know, he was drafted the same year as Miles Sanders. So a lot of young guys on this roster that, Having Zach Ertz, I think, is a huge benefit for Jalen Hurts. It's a huge benefit for the offense as a whole to just have a veteran leader that is a skilled position player. And then Dallas Goddard, I think, is, you know, he was touted as like the next Zach Ertz. And he's he's going to be it's going to set up the Eagles to have what the Patriots had with Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez and have these two dynamic tight ends. And I think while they both do a lot of similar things, they do a lot of different things. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of differentiate what you can do uh, at the tight end position. And I just think 
if they can utilize the two tight ends, allow Jalen Hurts to kind of have a safety blanket underneath uh, in the passing game, it's going to do wonders for him if he needs it, you know, facing his first full season as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, these guys are going to be a challenge for um, – and to be clear, I think the Falcons may have some talent to be able to uh, take on these tight ends. You know, you've got Deion Jones as one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. Uh, Foyer Lucan, who took a massive step forward last year. Um, safety, I think, you know, that's where some of the questions kick in. Eric Harris, Dron Harmon are veterans that uh, are really stopgap solutions. So it's I'm looking at Ertz and Goddard, and I'm thinking, okay, these are guys that could potentially have a big game against uh, the Falcons, especially, uh, again, with a young quarterback. That, that tight end position is so critical, especially with a guy like Ertz who's got that experience, who has been in the league for such a long time. Um, all right. The wide receivers, you mentioned it. The Eagles have invested a lot of first-round picks in wide receivers. And I will say, again, there are so many parallels between these two franchises. The Falcons, obviously, with Julio Jones, who's no longer in Atlanta. Uh, Calvin Ridley, who was a first-round pick and is turning into a fantastic wide receiver one in his own right. Uh, and here with Philadelphia, we see, uh, as you mentioned last year with Reger, who was taken in the first round. And again, this year with uh, Devonta Smith, who was taken uh, at number 10 in the first round this year, uh, an incredibly promising receiver out of Alabama. Uh, we can, uh, Atlanta fans can vouch for Alabama wide receivers. Incidentally, uh, they tend to be really, really good. <laughs> uh, we've had two of them and we love both of them. Uh, so you have that going for you. Tell me about this wide receiver core, because I feel like this is an element of the Philadelphia offense that many Falcons fans may not know a whole lot about, but this unit may have a ton of long-term potential. Yeah. Uh, and when you say they've invested in the, in the wide receiver position early, I just heard Philadelphia collectively shout amen because it's about time <laughs> that we invest in the wide receiver position in the draft. It has been far too long. I, I couldn't tell you how thrilled I was that Devontae Smith was our first-round pick this year. It was just the no-brainer, just like push the button, make it happen, let's go, like auto-pick, like let's make it happen. Um, and, you know, Jalen Rager, he, he caught a lot of, of flack last year just because – Immediately after Justin Jefferson gets taken by the Vikings, that viral video of the Vikings draft room gets out on Twitter where they're like celebrating when the Eagles take Jalen Rager and Justin Jefferson's on the board, whatever the Vikings just for, never forget 38 um, seven. The uh, the wide receiver position is very intriguing to me this year. It's a lot of young guys, like I said before, with, you know, Smith Rager. Uh, you still have a, a young Greg Ward, who's a quality slot receiver. Quez Watkins really burst onto the scene uh, in the preseason this year with his speed. You know, if you get the ball in Quez Watkins' hands, he's got the speed and the length to just burn any defender in his way. He's not going to let you get to him. So that excites me about having him in the in the slot as kind of a big speed receiver. And then J.J. Ortega-Whiteside uh, somehow, someway made this team. He is... Uh, He's like on his last legs. He's got to prove that one, he can play special teams, uh, which he did in the preseason. And he's got to be able to block and to have a, a blocking wide receiver for a young quarterback, I think is huge. He's a big body wide receiver as well. And I'm intrigued to see what he does this year, how involved he is in the offense, new coaching staff, I think will help him. Um, but I, I think this is the the first time in a long time if not the first time in like my memory of Eagles wide receivers where there is just so much speed on the field mm -hmm. it's all it's always been like a cookie cutter offense for this team where you had the possession 50-50 receiver you had the big burner on the outside and then you just had your typical slot receiver and that's kind of been the case that was the the case throughout the entire Doug Peterson era where you had Alshon Jeffrey you had Torrey Smith you know, and then you moved on, you still had Alshon, and then you brought in Deshaun Jackson at one point. And, you know, it, it was just kind of like a simple, basic template for how they were running the offense. And now with so much speed around the field to have a quarterback like Jalen Hurts who can move outside the pocket and allow some of these receivers a little bit more time to get down the field, make their routes, make their cuts. Uh, it, it very much excites me to have so much speed around for such a young quarterback who can get the ball down the field too. Yeah, this is 
Uh, I feel like Falcons fans are going to come after me after this podcast. <laughs> like you like this Philadelphia team too much. And to be honest, when I was doing the research for what this game was going to look like coming into this first game, uh, I started looking at these individual players. I was like, Oh my God, they, they're really stockpiling some young talent here. And the wide receiver position, you know, with Devontae Smith, who I feel like was a good, really good value at that number 10 pick. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts, who I think does have a lot of potential. Well, it remains to be seen what what he can do as far as growing from year one to year two. But uh, a lot of Falcons fans will be like, man, you're, you're just you're crapping on their own team. I'm like, no, this is actually I feel like this is a Philadelphia team that is building really well for the long term. And it's something to pay attention to because, you know, the, the Falcons are in the same conference and it, when you think about the long-term, uh, the resetting of rosters, the Falcons are resetting with Arthur Smith. You guys are resetting with your head coach. Um, these are the, the things you look for. Is, or who are the teams that are stocking talent? Who are the teams that are uh, really rebuilding with guys that can make a difference in two or three years and, and potentially even in year one? And I look at Philadelphia and I think, man, they are really sort of beginning to stockpile talent at those skill positions. So, Last question on the offense before we uh, switch gears and get over to the defensive side of the ball, which, to be blunt, terrifies me. Um, <laughs> but tell me about the running back situation in Philadelphia. Who's the guy? Uh, what should Falcons fans look for on Sunday? So you have Miles Sanders back, um, which I love Miles Sanders coming out his draft year. You know, the the big debate was Josh Jacobs or Miles Sanders. And I was crucified for saying I like Miles Sanders more than I like Josh Jacobs. It was just <laughs> how I viewed it. I viewed Miles Sanders as, you know, his potential was, you know, Steelers Le'Veon Bell, where he has that vision, kind of takes that stutter step and then moves. And I've looked pretty, pretty smart on that side of history where <laughs> Miles Sanders has had a much better start to his career, I think, than Josh Jacobs, especially going into this year where the Raiders decided to sign Kenyon Drake to go along with Josh Jacobs. Um, The biggest thing I'm looking for from Miles Sanders this year, and I think a lot of Eagles fans are looking for it too, is his ability to stay on the field all three downs. He Mm -hmm. has had issues with, you know, catching the ball, being a pass catcher, and with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts where he's going to be moving around and and you're going to need to flex guys out. You're going to need to have kind of those running back screens, kind of have those, you know, halfback option type plays. You need Miles Sanders to be able to come up with catches uh, in this offense, if you're going to move the ball down the field. So that's one thing I'm certainly looking for for Miles Sanders to take that next leap and be able to stay on the field all three downs. Uh, and then you have Boston Scott behind him, who has been, you know, a, a staple at the backup running back position for this team. He's a he's a fan favorite. People love Boston Scott. He's kind of that, you know, smaller change of pace. I don't want to say Darren Sproles type because I think he's much different of a running back than Darren Sproles. Um, but you can kind of slot him into that, you know, change of pace, third down back type of role. He'll catch the ball out of the backfield. He'll run for tough yards. He'll have fun touchdown celebrations if he gets in the end zone where he somehow keeps his head still, but the rest of his body moves. Um, so I love Boston Scott being back on this team. And then the the big fan favorite of the offseason has been Kenneth Gainwell, who made this team out of training camp. Uh, young, kind of stocky, burst of speed running back. So many people have gravitated towards him where they think he's going to be a big-time playmaker for this team. Uh, and I view all three running backs potentially getting you know playing time in this game where they're just going to you know try to switch things up, change the pace if they need to, and utilize as many of these weapons, whether it's in the backfield, uh, putting them out at wide receiver, whatever it may be for Jalen Hurts to find the most success. So these three running backs I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, obviously, Miles Sanders, the starter, but I think Kenneth Gainwell is a, a key contributor this year that a lot of people are going to learn his name as the season goes on. Yeah, that's uh, a name I think that uh, Falcons fans need to pay attention to, maybe for the long term if you're into fantasy. Um, we'll see what happens in game one, uh, but that is the Philadelphia offense. Now, the other half of the ball we're going to talk about before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. 
With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And we're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I am joined by Kyle Bennett of uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia. And we're talking about the upcoming game, whether the Falcons are hosting the Philadelphia Eagles in week one of the 2021 NFL season. Kyle, let's talk about the defense. <laughs> because I, I, when I was doing the preview for this game and I was looking at the, the Falcons offense, the Falcons, as we talked about in your podcast, the Falcons offensive line is what concerns me the most. And, and I think, honestly, anyone who covers the Falcons, they look at this offensive line, they think, okay, they could be good, but there are question marks. There are, you know, you've got a rookie starting at left guard. Uh, you've got a, a player in Matt Hennessy starting at center who is in his second year and last year did not look particularly good. Uh, and then, you know, you've got guys at right guard, left tackle, that are really solid, and right tackle I think is, is decent enough. But then I look at Philadelphia's defensive line, and I see Fletcher Cox, who in my mind has been criminally underrated for most of his career. He's one of the best defensive tackles in football. Uh, you've got guys like uh, Brandon Graham, who has carved out an excellent career uh, for his entire time in the league. Uh, you've got guys like Derek Barnett, uh, and I think you you even have pass rushers who have been premier pass rushers who are basically your third down guys on the team. So let's talk about the trenches. What do you see that Philadelphia has that could cause some issues for the Falcons offensive line on Sunday? I think the first thing that comes to mind is experience. This this defensive line yes. has played a lot together, especially the starters when you go Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Derek Barnett, even Josh Sweat, who I think is going to have a breakout year this year. Uh, I'm very excited for what he's going to be able to bring to the table. And then you have Javon Hargrave, who came over from the Steelers, got injured early last year, didn't really contribute the way that uh, we expected for him uh, in year one in an Eagles uniform, but he's back healthy at that other defensive tackle spot. And then, you know, depth-wise, like you said, you have Ryan Kerrigan playing, you know, as a rotation defensive end for this team, <laughs> Hassan Ridgeway is a rotational defensive tackle who he could start at defensive tackle <sighs> in a lot of teams. And then uh, this year in the third round, I believe it was, they drafted Milton Williams, who I think is a, a very fun prospect at the defensive tackle position. Um, you know, they're just very deep. And that's one thing that I can, you know, tip of the cap to Howie Roseman for. He builds through the trenches whether it's in the draft or free agency, he's always looking at the offensive and defensive lines to see where they can get better. And he values, you know, having guys in the trenches and having that depth. It's, it's a big reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl in 2017 to go out and get a guy like Chris Long on a, a vet minimum deal. And he contributed the way he did to have Brandon Graham here for as long as he's been here. And, you know, this team never giving up on him, no matter what he's been through. Uh, you know, adversity wise, just, you know, coaching schemes, all that he's been able to really hunker down and become such a, a lifetime Eagle. Uh, and then you have Fletcher Cox in there, who's just a game wrecker. And, you know, everybody talks about Aaron Donald being the number one defensive tackle in football, one of the best defenders in football. I mean, Fletcher Cox is, is right there in terms of just being, you know, a defensive MVP for this team year in and year out. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, I feel like Fletcher Cox is in sort of that same category as Grady Jarrett. They're in that next, like Aaron Donald, to be clear, is in his own tier. Like yeah, he's in is, his own galaxy. Right. Like the guy is God mode in, in Madden nonstop. But when you go to that second tier, that's where you begin to find guys that get sort of like lost in the shuffle. And I, I just have tremendous respect for what Fletcher Cox has done throughout his career. He is a veteran now which blows my mind. He's, I think he's turns 31 a little bit later this year. And uh, you've got Grady Jarrett, you know, sort of in that same tier, a younger guy, but uh, again, another disruptive player. Uh, and then th there was a time, I think several years back, where we thought the Eagles were going to move on from Brandon Graham. And I was 
pounding the table for the Falcons to, to go after him as a, a, you know, a piece on the outside. And of course the Eagles made the right move and decided to keep him uh, it, it, with the team. And yeah, I look at this defensive line and I think, okay, this is going to be one hell of a test for this Falcons offensive line. I, I feel comfortable with what Matthews and Lindstrom can do McGarry less so, but I look at that interior with uh, Mayfield and Hennessy uh, and I just, I have concerns and uh, as a Falcons fan, you know, this offense is going to be as good as what the offensive line can provide for Matt Ryan. And that to me is the most concerning part. Now, when I go to the other parts of the defense, I think maybe some questions open up and I want to start on the outside because uh, this is where I think the Falcons have some strengths. Calvin Ridley, uh, I think was, you know, he's ready to emerge as wide receiver one. He had almost 1400 yards last year. Uh, and that was with a uh, Julio Jones that, you know, was injured probably for, you know, 30, 40% of the season. He really looks good this year. There've been uh uh, training cap camp clips of him uh, absolutely destroying Xavier Howard <laughs> in Miami. Uh, I actually spoke to Calvin Ridley a little bit earlier today for an interview. Um, and he, he kind of downplayed the fact that, you know, uh, he left Howard's scorched body uh, in Miami, but uh, Ridley is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Uh, and Russell Gage is a guy that uh, has sort of quietly emerged as this, sneaky receiver who's incredibly athletic. Uh, he has now emerged as wide receiver two with Julio Jones gone to Tennessee. Tell me about the cornerback position in Philadelphia. What do Falcons fans need to look out for? I know there's a familiar name in Darius Slay, but what does the overall position look like? So if you would have asked me this question probably a month ago, I would have told you I was downright nervous because hmm. Darius Slay was the only guy really proven on this roster. Sure, we brought Avante Maddox back, but he's more of a slot guy. He's a little undersized too. He's only like five foot nine. Um, but he plays he plays like he's like six one. Um as long as he's you know feeling confident and everything. They drafted Zach McPherson, who I'm very excited about uh the future of him in this in this defense uh this year. But then Darius Slay became one of the best uh you know bargainers on Twitter and was able to get Steven <laughs> Nelson to sign with the Philadelphia Eagles coming over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Having those two back there, I think, is going to be such a, a big relief for this defense because last year, everybody you know gave Darius Slate crap for the way that he played down the stretch. And when you look at the schedule from last year, I mean, I think any corner not named in their prime, Darrell Rebus, would have played like crap down the stretch against the the opponents that the Eagles played and the wide receivers that Darius Slay was matched up against. Yep. I mean, to to put it into context here, the the final stretch of the season where the Eagles were trying to make the playoffs, uh, you know, Darius Slay had to go up against the likes of DK Metcalf. He had to go up against the likes of, uh, you know, Devontae Parker. He was going up against Terry McLaurin. He was going up against uh, Amari Cooper. He was going up against DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> I, I would think any wide receiver who is going up against a guy who's just had to go up against those those types of you know tired out corners where Darius Slay's the only guy, those wide receivers are going to succeed time and time again. And it was a season of just like the Eagles were just trying to trek through it. They were trying to get it over with. And I felt for Darius Slay. You know, he's he's been one of the premier corners in the NFL not talked about nearly enough just because he was up in Detroit for so long. Um, but I think he's, he's due for a bounce back year. And then to have Steven Nelson opposite him, I think is going to help in a big way. Um, I was, I was talking to a buddy of mine who covers the Steelers and said, Steven Nelson's great. You know, he's had like eight interceptions, I think over the last two years, but one thing that will drive you nuts is like, he should probably have like 13 or 14 interceptions. So he's a guy that's not necessarily going to pick up the ball. Well, um, but I, I'm excited about the, the the cornerback position in particular this year, just in terms of who's starting for this team. Yeah, this I feel like this is going to be one of the most intriguing matchups for this weekend because you do again, you know, people always think about Julio Jones when they think of the Falcons, but I think Calvin Ridley is going to make a name for himself this year. He's already, uh, I think, sort of emerged as a really good receiver. I think this is year he moves into that top tier of, of guys that. 
just becomes uh, you know synonymous with it, at least fantasy points. Like that's one of the things Falcons fans can cling to uh, in the midst of the past several seasons. But in Russell Gage again, you know another player I think that uh, has shown that he can be uh, a very very explosive talent on the other side of Ridley. This will be an interesting matchup. Uh, I, I do like these corners. I, I think Slay is someone that has, uh, as you mentioned, he, he sort of got a murderer's row at the end of 2020. And, but the rest of his career has been uh, incredibly, uh, incredibly promising. So uh, now that said, the Falcons, as we mentioned earlier with Philadelphia, with their tight end situation, I think the Falcons are going to lean much heavier on the tight end position this year. We know that with, you know, what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee in his two years as offensive coordinator, the Falcons uh, last year brought in Hayden Hurst and this year drafted uh, Kyle Pitts, who we've seen very little of, but from what we're hearing is uh, the hype is real. The guy is a freak of nature, uh, an absolute dominant beast. What does the secondary outside of the corners look like? So if we talk about those linebackers, we talk about those safeties, uh, do you have concerns about the, what the, the Eagles have there as far as matching up with uh, what the Falcons have to offer at tight end and running back? Yeah, I mean, the linebacker position year in and year out for this Eagles team is just such a question mark because it seems like they don't value the linebacker position like a mm-hmm. lot of teams do. It's a lot of hybrid guys uh, that they try to plug into spots that might not necessarily fit. You know, we have Jannard Avery, who we traded for a couple years ago who looks like he's going to be the starting Sam linebacker this year, um, but hasn't really broken into playing time. But I think him playing at the linebacker spot in this type of defense that Jonathan Gannon's trying to run uh, could be a real like big career rejuvenation for him. They brought in Eric Wilson this off season. And then I think the, the best bright spot of this, this linebacker core is Alex Singleton. Uh, he's a guy that just, you know, hard hat brings his, his lunch to work every single day. He's looking to go out there and just, you know, hit the ball hard. He's trying to hit guys hard, go after the ball. He wants to win. And, you know, he's a guy that plays with a chip on his shoulder because he came from the Canadian Football League, uh, broke onto this team, practice squad, made it onto the team. He's trying to break, you know, tackle records. He, he wants to do it all. And he's a gamer. And I'm very excited for what he's going to bring to the table this year. Um, and really, you know, take a step forward and be he got named a captain this year, which I think is huge for him and you know he's going to be the the number one linebacker i think that teams are going to try to key in on and try to avoid uh and then depth wise it's a lot of you know question marks there's a guy like tj edwards who i think has a bright future in the nfl as a middle linebacker we'll see if he can continue to to progress and and take another step forward and then you have guys like davion taylor and sean bradley who are a little undersized but they're speedy linebackers we'll see how they fit into this defense and that's the thing too with this defense overall that Jonathan Gannon's running, we've barely seen any of it from the preseason. He didn't give any, you know, inklings of what he's trying to do. He's talked about where there's going to be times he's going to run three fours. He's going to run four threes. This defense is going to be interchangeable. So I'm very excited to see what he brings to the table uh, coming over from the Colts as a defensive backs, cornerbacks coach from, you know, 2018 to 2020 with the Colts. But it's a, it's a, a lot of mystery with this Eagles defense in terms of just how they're going to scheme things and how they're going to line up against teams, which I think could be uh, that much more of a, a negative for Eagles opponents because you have no idea what they're going to throw at you. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be true for both of our teams right now. <laughs> uh, like no one knows exactly what the Falcons or Eagles are going to look like on either side of the ball. Uh, but with that said, the safeties for the Eagles, again, you know, I think about the Falcons with what they're trying to deploy now, like their base offense is two tight ends running back and two wide receivers, uh, which is a change from last year where they, they listed their starting offenses, you know, three wide receivers, uh, and, uh, tight end and a running back. So Arthur Smith is clearly going to lean towards, you know, guys like Kyle Pitts and, um, Hayden Hurst getting a lot of receptions this year. What what about the safeties for the Eagles? Uh, what does that position look like? How confident are you that these are guys that uh, could potentially match up, or do you feel like this may be a weakness for the Eagles' defense? It's an interesting position, to say the least. Rodney McLeod <laughs> is still recovering from injury last year from that ACL. 
Uh, and I don't know if you you picked up on this. Darius Slate kind of tipped the Eagles' hand a little bit in his press conference today. Does not sound like Rodney McLeod's going to be out there mm. week one. Uh, Darius Slay saying, I wish he was out there with us. So that kind of uh, tipped the hand there that Rodney McLeod's not ready to come back uh, for week one, which means Kayvon Wallace, you know, a young safety. He's a gamer. When they drafted him, I was super excited. You know, he's close family friends with Brian Dawkins, went to Clemson. Um, he's he's a hard hitting, you know, gamer type of safety playing, you know, for a Clemson team that perennially is in that that national championship mm-hmm. discussion. Um, a lot of, you know, people who saw the Eagles took Kayvon Wallace, they were excited about him coming to the Eagles and what he's going to do for this team. So he's got a chance to prove himself early, uh, this season going opposite of Anthony Harris, who we brought in from free agency over from the Vikings, which thank goodness, Anthony Harris is one of those guys that like you love watching him play, but you hate that he played for the Vikings. Um, <laughs> I, I love the way Anthony Harris plays the free safety position, and he seems excited to be in Philadelphia. It was an absolute steal and free agency uh, for us to go and get him. And it's been, it's been tough the past couple of years trying to recoup and recover from losing Malcolm Jenkins, who was just the heart and soul of this Eagles mm, defense. Yep. Um, I'll never forgive Howie Roseman for letting him walk. Um, it was eerily similar to when the Eagles let Brian Dawkins leave. And it was just like, can we stop this trend of letting, you know, heartbeat of the defense safeties leave in free agency. Hmm. Um, but Anthony Harris coming in, I'm excited for, you know, just his athleticism, his speed and what he's going to bring to the table, uh, in this defense. And he's going to be relied upon heavily at the safety position, being that veteran back there while we wait for Rodney McLeod to come back. And then Marcus Epps is also going to be in there as kind of that third safety who made the team at a training camp played very well in the preseason too. So hopefully he keeps that rolling because there were moments last year where Marcus Epps had us uh, pulling our hair out. Well said. Um, this is in my mind, this matchup with the tight ends, the safeties could be the one that makes or breaks it. But the, you know, we go back to the trenches and I feel like uh, with the discussion we've had, that is where it, it's almost always where these games end up, right? Is, <laughs> Uh, you, you can talk about the skill position players. You can talk about the quarterbacks, the running backs, etc. But if you can't protect your quarterback, uh, the game can go sideways very quickly. Um, Kyle, thank you again for joining me on the podcast. It was a good look at the the, the Eagles and what's going on there. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of really intriguing matchups going into this game in, in week one. As you mentioned, the big story to me is that we don't know what these teams are going to look like. <laughs> Both teams are coming in with brand new coaching staffs, uh, trying to utilize a mix of new players and old players. Uh, so let me ask you this one last question. How do you think this one is going to play out on Sunday? Oh man, this one is, it's tough. You know, it's one of those games on the schedule for the Eagles that I think is more favorable than most. The Eagles somehow ended up with one of the most difficult fourth place schedules of all time. Um, (laughs) And to get the Falcons week one on the road is tough uh, because for whatever reason, the Eagles typically play the Falcons better at Lincoln financial field than they do Mm -hmm. down in Atlanta. Um, But I think, like you said, it's going to come down to the trenches on both sides of the ball. Whose defensive line can get after the opposing quarterback? Whose offensive line is going to be able to protect their respective quarterbacks uh, in this game? And uh, I think experience is is going to play a factor. uh, But on the the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles, there's a lot of inexperience. There's a lot of young guys uh, that I think, you know, Dean Pease, like you said, is going to try to confuse Jalen Hurts. He's going to try to, you know, make him uncomfortable in his first full season to kick off uh, his NFL career. But I think, you know, I think the last time I looked, the Falcons were three and a half point favorites in this game. Um, I, I think the Eagles end up winning by four. I'm going to say it ends up being 27, 23 Eagles. All right. Good deal. Um, I can't argue with that uh, as a Falcons fan. <laughs> uh, I will say, I, I, I feel like it's going to be a close game. I, I do think it's going to be within some points. And this is one, it, initially, I think when I looked at it, I thought, oh, okay, you know, um, veteran defensive coordinator going up against uh, a young quarterback. This should play into the Falcons' hands. But the more I looked at it, the more I realized this one is going to be difficult in the trenches. And uh, we'll see how this one plays out, but uh, I completely respect the uh, uh, the prediction there. But 
I do have to ask you one last question. Let's do it. <laughs> Which Philadelphia Eagles player will be the first one to buy the Tesla bot? Let's and go. I, <laughs> I, I was waiting for this one. I For, for Falcoholic uh, listeners who are wondering what the hell I'm talking about, when I was on Kyle's podcast this week, he dropped this question on me, and I feel like I completely stumbled it. Uh, so I am, I'm giving it back to him uh, because he, he noticed my tweets about the Tesla bot. Uh, so Kyle, I'm, I'm giving it back to you. Which, which Eagles player is going to be the first one to buy the Tesla bot? The first one to buy the Tesla bot. Um, I'm going to go, you know, it, it's tough. Cause I think there's a few guys on this team that would end up buying it. Um, but I think because of one, how online he is. So he probably sees it uh, Two, He's like very, you know, into like the video games. He's into like all the tech stuff. I think Darius Slay would go out and buy a Tesla bot. <laughs> very interesting. All right. Very cool. Um, it, for my regular listeners who are listening, Kyle is a great guy. He's a good follow on Twitter. Please go follow him. Uh, he does great work with uh, Underground Sports Philadelphia. Uh, he and I have gotten along really well for the past several years uh, since uh, I started showing up on this podcast. And again, it was overdue to have you on the Falcolic podcast. So thank you, Kyle. Tell our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on. Absolutely. It was a blast. It was, it was kind of like BoJack Horseman. Is this a crossover episode? Um, but yeah, you guys can follow me at KBIZZL311. It is pronounced KBizzle11, but because somebody has that taken, I defected to my old AOL instant messenger screen name. So everybody <laughs> wow. used to use E's as a three. So it's KBizzle11, but the E is a three. Uh, you guys can check out everything we've got going on at Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm the founder, chief of content over there at Underground PHI. We're going to be doing a ton of things uh, for this Eagles season. And uh, that's where all the content is there for the digital scape. And you can check out our website, undergroundsportsphiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And uh, if you just search Underground Sports Philadelphia, that's where you'll get all of our podcasts that are on our network as well. And David, it's been a blast. I, I always enjoy talking to you, and it's been a, a ton of fun hopping on uh, the Falcoholic podcast. Likewise, man. We'll uh, have to have you back on, maybe even just in the offseason, just to uh, uh, figure out what's going on in the NFL once the, the playoffs get here. So, I am always game to talk about our birds. <laughs> Excellent. All right. As for me, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod. And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Kyle Bennett, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.